0: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer.
1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky.
0: After another stellar week of predictions, I'd like to request my fellow Redcasters to allow me to make my picks after everyone else has gone this week. <laughs>
1: probably a good idea i'm also with boomer i would just like to
2: congratulate uh, husker women's bowling on a critical revenge game uh taking out McKendry university at the brunswick bearcat open this week in women's bowling so.
1: nice nice uh and i'm also with mac
3: what's up Redcasters? really excited after the big win this week feeling like we're turning this ship around let's go riley Just got to fling the ball around the yard a little bit more, right? Get
1: it out there, man. Less running attempts. What have we been Been doing this whole time? This whole balance, for the sake of balance, is ridiculous. Well, guys, uh, we did did see a victory on Saturday night, a somewhat surprising one at times, considering uh, what we looked like for the majority of the game there in West Lafayette uh, against the Purdue Boilermakers. But um, a fourth-quarter rally resulted in a... A W, W, a much-needed one, for Mike Riley and the Cornhuskers. Um, you know, we should be, be thankful for wins wherever we can get them, um, so we'll take that one. But uh, it was an unusual uh, win in the sense that we did actually uh, throw the ball well over 40 times and ran the ball uh, for a total of 40 yards and still came out with a victory. Honky, do you think that's a uh, winning formula that can be sustained uh, for years to come under uh, Mike Riley's regime?
0: I think your first four words are correct. Was that a winning formula for that night? Yes, it was. And <laughs> RedCast fans, <laughs> in the short term, uh, you know, you know, bit of it all, I guess. Uh, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take that one night. Pass the damn ball, guy was happy, and uh, and we got a win. You've for said that, that one before.
1: Hawk, you're like, I don't care if if we have to if we throw the ball fifty times and win, I'll take the win. Well, that that one happened that. finally. It only took thirty four games, but
0: <laughs> And I don't know that a repeat performance of that will, will win any of the next four, but you know what? Do what you gotta do. Just you know whatever Langsdorf and, and Riley go out firing at the end of this year, no matter what. Run your offense, do what you wanna do. Um don't even worry about balance. Don't tell us about balance. Just do what you want to do, and, and it worked for that one night. So that's good.
3: Yeah. Mac, what are your thoughts? I actually found it refreshing. I, was, I thought they would try to pound the ball relentlessly over and over and over again because that's what they thought they were supposed to do make people happy. But um, we certainly did run it into, into defenders a lot. You know we weren't very good at running, so well, I mean
1: we had eight yards on
3: fifteen carries in the first half. That might have dictated the second half. It was hard game to watch. Plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tanner Lee's coming around. I mean, isn't that isn't it wonderful to watch? You know, it's, it's just what I'm, I'm I'm settling into is this. Well, I guess this is how they want it to work, and here it is, four field goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Red zone efficiency was probably yeah. lacking, Boomer. uh... Anything else you want to add to kind of this kickoff of the, of
2: well, the talk? Well, you know, it's one of the things we've mentioned several times. I know Honky stressed this several times in previous podcasts. If we're going to do something, at least do it well. And if passing the ball 50 times a game is what we do well, then fine. Let's embrace that and let's do that. Don't don't feed us the malarkey about wanting to be the top three running team in the conference. We are obviously not going to be that. We're not capable of doing that. There's That's just... A pipe dream. Don't feed us that. If you want to fling the ball 50 times a game, just say we're going to do it. Go out and do it. Let's see what the heck happens.
1: Yep, I hear you. Well, uh, let's head right into our offensive breakdown. Scoring explosion. The offensive breakdown. Let's talk in depth about that offensive performance, you know. Uh, Tanner Lee did throw the ball around the, the field 50 times. Uh, 431 yards, uh, two TDs, no ints. Uh, really brought in uh, the tight end of the game for the first time almost all year. Uh, Hoppus had a really big role. Uh, we still had drops out there, uh, but uh, it definitely it was a, a a passing game that clicked at least in the fourth quarter. Uh, it it had to click because we could not run the ball at all. So let's let's dive into that a little bit. I mean. Uh, was Purdue's defensive line that good? Is our offensive line getting progressively worse at run blocking? Uh, is there any explanation on how bad of a run offense we can have this year? Well, that Anyone? was
2: that was one of the things I mentioned last week is that I don't think we were giving Purdue's run defense enough credit. They were a solid defense, you know, especially against the run. And uh, they, you know, they held Wisconsin to 100 less rushing guards than we did. Well, granted, you know, yeah. that's not difficult, but. I, they're, they're a good run defense. I don't think there's any question there, and
1: well, we're going to face that again against Northwestern. Exactly, yeah. Run I, I well, think, so. yeah.
2: We'll talk about that. In, you know, our, our look forward,
1: but uh, yeah,
2: we're going to see pretty similar weeks. I think if if we hope to win,
1: yeah, yeah. Offensive line also sustained some significant injuries there with Decker out um, potentially for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know um, how much to put on Purdue's defense. Did well. I we're going to play some. Equally good defenses, and if they could hold us to eight first half rushing yards, and gosh, I don't even want to know what some of these other teams might be able to do. But um, you know, just right on the sideline, right before the game started, the the question from the sideline reporter she asked of uh, Riley was, "What's the first sign in the first quarter that your team accepted your advice during the bye week?" And he said, "If we we're stopping the run and we're running the ball a little bit, that would be a good sign." So I mean, that's I, kind of what you said earlier there, Dave. I'm almost at the point where I don't even tell us about we don't even know need to know about bounce don't even talk about bounce don't talk about yeah. running the ball each week there's just that's not even a point in doing it we do it so poorly that for the remainder of this year it worked that night and if it can work in at least two more times if it can then we can get to six wins we can get to a bowl game it's not a long term solution and that's where I, I kind of wrote down some notes after the game and then i was listening to, to sharp and Benning this morning and i swear it's like they were reading off my notes, so it's I can't even go too deep into it because they've already said it. But there's this difference <laughs> between short-term and long-term. The short-term of it is enjoy the game. We won it. It was an exciting game. It was an exciting finish. Enjoy that and understand that in the long-term, no, we're not going to be successful throwing the ball 50, 40-plus times a game, you know, time in and time out and running the ball for 40 yards. That's not a long-term thing for success. But for the remainder of this year, considering how we run the ball,
1: sure, Go for it, you know. Sure. Mac, one of your favorite uh, players, Jalen Bradley, actually got some carries and uh, did actually help us uh, actually have positive rushing yards uh, thanks to 42 yards of, by himself.
3: Uh, excited to see more of uh, Mr. Bradley? Yeah, I thought he looked great out there, actually. He's kind of – he's he runs the most similar to, uh, to Trey Bryant out there. And I really – you know, I huh. think – what might be missed in all this season is how much we really miss Trey Bryant. We have not had a consistent running game since he left. And I know Devine's had his moments here and there, but Devine does not hit the hole like he's supposed to. And this is about the time of the year, the season where he forgets the type of running back he is. He starts dancing. He starts trying to juke and he doesn't just hit the hole. That was the only thing Bradley did when he came in. As soon as he got the ball, he flew, you know, and, there is no time to dance behind that line. I think that's the mm-hmm. lesson here. You've got to get past it because it's not going to get better the longer you wait. They're not setting up blocks, you know. You need to run around those guys, and that's what Bradley was doing. Maybe just because of his youth, and he didn't realize it, but um, it's it's good to see somebody out there trying. You know, some right of those young guys out there balling. You look at for you're looking for stuff just to kind of kind of lead you for hope. And in, in Spielman's play, Bradley's play, those guys out there. You know, some of them are still trying, and that's that's exciting. I'm I'm hoping to see more of that going forward.
1: Yeah, you know, offensively, it, if you know, I mean, one of the things I was looking for in this game was, yeah, d- did the players actually show up, what type of effort they were going to put in? Uh, I I can't say I was uh, enamored with that for the first three quarters, but they sure did actually show a lot of emotion and played at a pretty high level there in the fourth quarter when it counted for. For uh, this embattled coach, so I mean that was a really good sign, uh, just in general. So I, I, I was I was pleased with that, um, to say the least. Um, you know, offensively, anything else you guys want to talk about with Tanner Lee? I, you know, uh, Honk, I was I was wondering. You you talked a lot in earlier podcasts about the um, the fact that we don't practice with a lot of contact for our quarterbacks. Really, no contact, especially in spring ball. Um, and it, as I watched Lee perform in the fourth quarter, it felt like he was finally the quarterback that we had heard so much about. Did it take eight games to knock the rust off because he doesn't, doesn't have uh, those type of um, you know practices that are real one-on-ones and real game time uh, action?
0: I mean, that's, that's certainly a, 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 valid hypothesis, I'd say. It's a theory uh, I have. It, it's yeah, it's a theory. And, and, I guess in general, I tend to be, you know, maybe a little more old school with practices in general. But we didn't tackle very well in this game, and 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 you can it's say good. that to knock the rust off of tackling, to knock the rust off of breaking tackles, to knock the rust off of yeah, you know, catching passes and, and getting tackled and not. I, I don't mean to. I don't mean this in a snarky way. We've kind of had a history now for a number of years. Receivers catch a ball, they get hit, and they they go off the field for a play or two because of just sometimes just kind of small nicks and we've all played football at one level or another before and you know when you practice the first one or two times after an off season and those first couple of days of practice you hit somebody and just everything hurts you just your body it takes a while to get used to getting back into the to the grind of it and by the by the time you're a week into it and two weeks into it you're doing those same hits and it's almost like your body's callous to it and and you just you adapt to that contact and if you if you're having you know i i don't get to go to every practice by any means, so I, I, I always feel a little bit like I'm I'm probably talking a little out of place. So I don't get to see every practice, but you we've just heard enough things, you know, over the past of, of these kind of being Pac-12 run practices and, and not a lot of contact, well, yeah, and, and sometimes it shows up in the games that way. It feels during
1: like- the bye week there were supposedly some one on ones, right? And mm-hmm. so I mean, you know, maybe the practice was a little bit different in these last two weeks, and maybe it that could be a better product. At end of the day, I it do could feel be. like he definitely. Generally-
3: Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just gonna say, going back to Tanner Lee's play, I do feel like though he played, he has played tough these last couple weeks. He's hung in the pocket yes. and delivered the balls under duress. They haven't always been pretty balls, but he's shown toughness in, in the fact that he's just sticking it out to try to make some of those throws happen. He's taken some shots and pretty yeah, regularly, he's and his, his feet are yeah. getting his his. He's getting better about settling in and throwing that. I mean, he got his face mask hit twice, and I think he was uh, yeah. one of two on those plays. So.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't ever want anyone to think that Lee isn't being tough out there by any means. That guy is yep. taking some hits, and he's, and um, he, he's he's improved. I, I've I've taken some heat from a few people on Twitter because I'm I'm you know kind of the ardent run the ball guy, but but uh, I, I'll I'll gladly admit Lee has improved I, throughout the season, no doubt. Um, this game here, you mentioned earlier that the hop is tight end. Got five catches for 105 yards. It's the first time we've had a hundred yard receiver at tight end in, in, in a number of years. Running backs had ten catches for eighty-two yards. Five different players had at least five catches. That's at least th- for that night, that's what they needed to do. And and it worked that night. Um I I think it's you know, I, I don't know how to say it any other way than I, I'm glad that we threw the ball well that night. It is important to have a good running game. <laughs> it's so important in this conference and and i'm glad we were able to win that game that night i don't think that same formula is going to lead to a lot of wins past that but but if we can take pieces of that game i think that we can and if we can just run the ball even a little bit better in a couple of the other ones i mean we we can you know hopefully we can still get you know to six wins at least let's get to that bowl game that's my that's my thought
1: Agreed, agreed. All right, guys, anything else on offense you guys want to touch on before we move over to uh, defense? One
0: thing about the O-line, there is the injuries, but it is, again, it's kind of interesting. Decker and Farmer definitely look like they're out for this week. Uh, Decker's going to be missed. That kid has really improved as the season went on. He's been a physical uh, force out there. It it actually puts Conrad, the original starter at center, back at center. Um, And... And I just, I'll tell you what, I don't know what it is about our O-line. I don't know if it's, you know, you hear people say Kavanaugh, you hear O-line, you hear Langsdorf and the offensive scheme in general, but there just seems to be holes left and right. And if I wanted to spend some more time into it, I've I've rewatched a number of plays from the other day, and it looks like everyone's almost got someone to block, and there's still two openings and two guys coming clean. I don't know what it is. I've seen, I saw some of our guys just flat out get run over. It's, it's, you know, we talked about it earlier why are we not running the ball well? It's it starts up there, and that very first play that that Bradley ran the ball, there it was no more open than any other running play that any of our other backs had. Bradley just made a play out of it, went for twenty yards. Yeah, he
3: just hit it really hard. So that's that's what Trey Bryant. He was just doing, hit it hard. You know, Trey Bryant was just hitting it really hard yeah. and finding creases. Yeah. And you know, that's yeah. what I don't understand. I don't understand Devine lately. He's been tippy tapping. He came out when he came out. You know, after being sat for the first part of the year, he was so aggressive when he first started running. He was hitting hard, finishing runs. This week, man, he just take two hard steps to the line of scrimmage and then just kind of poke his nose around. It was a waste of time. Went nowhere. And I mean, not that he was getting any help from his Mac, offensive line. You feel like you've line. seen that before from him as well. I, 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 this was one of the first games I've seen him do that. I've seen him do that last year. You know, and I, he kind of he kind of goes through these phases where he's. He's this hard nosed runner for a few games, and then he's going to try to be a little bit flashy. And it's just, uh, I, he he should just be who he is. He's a hard nosed runner, a yeah. three or five yards. Sometimes he gets a gash and he can go, but he needs to stop trying to create. It's not working for him, and and our line's not good enough. He just needs to go.
1: Yeah, you know, that's the truth. They're not going to hold blocks mm-hmm. for
3: very long. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I and yeah, but we definitely we love Bradley's effort out there. And I'll tell you another guy, Spielman. That kid. You know, that's some of the things I want to see out of these last four games is I want to see individuals that are stepping up and, and giving relentless effort. We're going to be doing some things on Twitter here over the next four weeks where instead of breaking down some video the way that I was doing earlier the year where we're doing X's and O's, I'm going to be more like highlighting individual play where I'm seeing guys really give great effort. I think that's a very positive thing to highlight right now because X's and O's can always change, but... Are guys giving great effort? Are they giving great effort when the game is well in hand, or, or you know, or, or whatever the situation of the of the game is? Those are the kind of things I want to hit on. And and a kid like Spielman, I'll just tell you, I just I love watching him. He yeah. just gives max effort every time he's on. Do the Do you
3: take any comfort from the fact that, or do you do you give any credit to? We did score on a lot of our drives, even though they were field goals. We did have four field goals. We never, like, turned the ball over in those moments. In the yeah. past, where that could have been a six-point swing the other direction, at least we were getting three. And I mean, it was super boring football, and, and it showed a, lot of, uh, showed a lot of our weaknesses on offense. But as far as improvement sure. of playing mm-hmm. a game, that looked a little better, and it ultimately it won the game for us. I mean, we couldn't have done it had Chris well, Brown not been. Drew Brown. I'll call him Chris after he... I'll call him Chris until he graduates. <laughs> well, yeah, you know. I
2: mean, yeah, that was, that was one of our jokes on Twitter that week. I don't, I One of our followers was commenting we couldn't, you know, win with field goals, and we said all we need is another 12 and we win this game. Well, we didn't get 12, <laughs> but we had enough to at least keep the game closer than it really should have been in those first two or three quarters. And sometimes that's all it takes if you can just get... As long as you're getting points, I mean, that's that's the key thing on drives. Get points and then keep yourself in it. And stuff yeah, like that can I mean, happen in the fourth quarter.
1: You know, DP had a sure sure touchdown, and he dropped. Yeah, dropped um, it. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a couple, couple times we really should have scored there uh, in the end zone. You, you take the three and just keep on slogging away there, and eventually uh, defense got some stops in the second half that allowed us to to have the opportunity to win the game at the end. So yeah. uh, sometimes you got to win uh, ugly, and uh, this is one of those times.
0: Throw the Bones, the defensive breakdown.
1: And now on the Go Big Redcast, we are throwing the Bones. That's our defensive breakdown. Um, well, guys, what, what is there to talk about defensively against that uh, Purdue Boilermaker team? Uh, I don't think the defense you know did anything exceptional on Saturday night, but also at the end of the day uh got the stops needed to to get us a win honky w well, you have any thoughts right now on uh how, how the defense performed
0: yeah it's kind of a kind of a mixed bag i mean there's some there's some good things there obviously we were able to to hold them to twenty four points and that was low enough to be able to get the win out of it um you know tackling there's you know i I guess I'm, you know, tackle the damn guy, ball guy, too. You know, it's we missed a, a number of them, and and uh, there were times that that led to additional first downs and stuff. But, you know, uh, one of the, the things I have, and it's a question I kind of have, and it's bigger than just this game, but I can remember when when Pelini left, um, I was listening to uh, Chris Schmidt's radio show, and they had Charlie McBride on, and he was being asked about the two-gap defense. And we talked about this in one of our early shows, too. And it was the whole concept of, it was really hard to run that uh, that two gap because you know you have to have guys that de- defense alignment that can be holding up guys playing both sides it's a really difficult thing to do pros love it but it's hard to do at the college level and and I'm, I'm seeing some of that right now especially as we play these big big boy teams the Wisconsin's and the and the the Ohio States and stuff they can really push a line out of the way and I'm just you know as I, as I kind of forecast down the road I'm it's either going to take us a couple of years, I think, to get the linemen the way that they that Diaco wants them, or or it's really going to be a challenge for us, I think, to have what he does look really well here. I I I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but it just it feels like for no lack of effort on any one player's part, it feels like body type wise, we are a couple of years away from having the guys in the in the size that he wants them to be to be able to really make that work. Are sure. we patient, patient enough, to enough to wait for and that, and that? You know,
1: yeah, I hear you. it's not a quick fix. Uh, talking about personnel there, that's for certain. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, I think there was a couple of important plays. I remember, you know, sometime in the in the fourth quarter, Marcus Newby had a had a good tackle that uh, kind of backed Purdue up, and uh, I think held him to a field goal. Uh, you know, there's a, a couple performances that seem to, to stand out. Uh, Mac, anybody that was on your radar with that?
3: I thought Ben Stilley stood out again uh, this last week. He was mm-hmm. in on a lot of tackles, and and he's, yeah. and I saw him playing hard too. You know, and, and Stoltenberg too. Uh, guys playing hard. It seems like I don't know that I question the effort of this team as much as I I question their. Uh, just execution of things. I know we've said that word to death on this podcast, but but it, it, but it is kind of what I see out of him. You know, um, you see Kalou making a couple plays, but then you see him missing some plays. Chris Jones, he's rusty, so I'd forgive that. Uh, I, Lamar Jackson, I've been hard on him with some tackles, but he did um, he did a screen that I thought he did a nice job on. But the, he's got a long ways to go. I mean, they, everybody's got a long ways to go. Yeah, it, it, it's and and we'll just. We'll just watch this football team with the hopes of improvement, and we'll just try to be realistic going forward. Yay. (laughs) Doesn't that sound thrilling, guys? Go football!
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's that's exciting. Hey, Boomer? Yeah. What do you think about uh, special teams? Anything of note there on on that?
2: Well, I mean, obviously, Brown's kicking game, you know, kept us in that. Uh, You know, you hate to... Sell a game on a field goal kicker, but God, he made all the kicks that were out there. Uh, Leidmorn's punting was quality. Yeah, you know, we. I don't recall any great returns from anybody in that game. Um, you know, the only real downside, I guess, to the special teams was the uh, the fake punt that Purdue had, and there's the questions of whether oh, that point. should have even been pass interference. Once you look at the rules, that was that was questionable, but. You know, special teams are important. That's a huge part of the game, and without you know a good field goal kicking game, where we don't win that. I mean, yeah, yeah, you what gotta you have a What do you think that.
1: about Purdue's uh, punt game? Because DP was completely negated in any sort of returns, and I don't really blame the guy. He was very catching everything, but he was pretty much surrounded. By, oh yeah, that was uh, that, that was. The whole time. That's
2: been typical Husker punt returns for the last I don't know how many years now, where we apparently block <laughs> nobody. And make no effort to block the punts, so what choice does DPE have in those cases, or whoever we stick back there? I mean, he, he really didn't have a great chance at really any of those yeah. pun returns that for, I noticed. I, for I, what I, it's
0: wor- for what it's worth, though, that kicker was booming those things. I mean, from a right perspective, what I mean. he yeah, was giving no yeah. them I don't think there was going to be a lot of chance. It, it, we weren't blocking great, don't get me wrong, but, but uh, he was definitely kicking some good hang time ones, and...
3: He did. did yeah, a good it just there,
0: there, there didn't present a lot of opportunities for a good. Yeah,
2: we return. didn't fumble any of them, so hey, let's, let's I think you
3: protected a lot of field position yep. too by just catching them too. There could have been some bounces on some yeah. of those.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah they were Absolutely. they weren't particularly yeah, deep punts. Drum. Yeah, they weren't they weren't like boomers to the five or anything like that. So they were they were they were fairly short punts. We field them where they landed, but it's in a good spot. Let's work with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I that you some know. young guys really stepped up here. Defensively, Colin Miller got in there for the first time that I, I've yep. seen. Made a tackle on a third down. Um, you know, even Lamar Jackson, we've been critical at times of him this season. But, you know, there's a couple of plays, there's two of them I can think of that were kind of quick screens out there. And he darted up and made a tackle on a guy, got around a blocker, and made a play that he wasn't making earlier this year. So, again, that's that's progress there. Muhammad Barry is definitely um, – you know, being more of a presence out there and, and I think Chris Weber probably played as well of a game as as I've seen him. He was very active and, and, and involved in there. So uh you know, it this is just a tough game for me to to break down and go over I, I, don't, mean, yeah, I don't mean I don't mean to you, to, to downplay Purdue and that's not it's not fair to do it's not fair to not enjoy the win. It is a win and all of that.
3: Um I just I There's so see, much work. There's so as much as work as... to be done. You know, it's just yeah. like, uh, you, how how excited can you be when you feel like you kind of got a feeling what the lid on this team is right now? It's just, it's hard.
1: Yeah, which is beating it, Purdue it, by yeah. a
3: point on the road. That, that's going to be a.
1: a it's not a good win, look. That,
0: and that's the short term. That's the short term versus the long term concept here. The short term is if you just think of it in the, in a bubble of it's one week, then you you smile, you enjoy it, it's a win and. And, and it's better than talking about a loss right now. I don't know in the long term that, that there's a lot of things to pull from it where I go, well, that's going to be successful again and again and again and again, and this is what I want to see us doing, you know, longer term. I can't say that I,
1: I have that feeling. So, Sure, sure. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap that up on the defensive side and, and spin that idea forward into our next segment.
4: Scarlet Colored Glasses.
1: Scarlet-colored glasses, uh, where we're talking all things Husker program, and we're gonna do a little Northwestern uh, preview, I guess, with with this one, and and try to say, you know, what what we can actually take from the Purdue game, uh, and actually apply that to Northwestern, and see what actually would be successful. Um, do You guys expect to see us throw the ball a lot uh, this week because of Northwestern's run defense. And, yes. Yeah, and now it's we've just got that a, simple. This,
4: a short-term I, I think, formula for success. Yeah, this game is going to be
2: probably a mirror of the Purdue game. I, I don't see us being able to run the ball particularly any better than we have been. I mean, what what would lead you to suspect we're going to run the ball better? Nothing. Nothing. And, you know, Northwestern defends the, the run well. You know, they're one of the probably better run defenses we're going to see, you know, as far as these mid-range teams go. And to be successful, you know, it's going to fall back to what Langsdorf and Riley know and like, and that's going to be the passing game. And if, and honestly, if they're going to sit back like Purdue did in the last you know few minutes of that game and let us and let Lee have time to throw, we're yeah, not bad at it. true. So yeah. go ahead and embrace it and just see what the hell heck happens and might have a chance. Well, realistically, this, yeah. it, 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 You're it is not the best way lonely. we
3: move the ball consistently. Yeah. It's just also not very good. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it's the best thing we do. We're just not very good at even the best thing we do. So there, you, there you have it, folks. Yeah. You know, it's a it, that's the that's the reality of Husker football right now is we're not very good at offense.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Boomer, you're not alone in your thoughts. There, uh, we actually did a Twitter poll so far. We started it this morning, and uh, Twitter poll, which is uh, sponsored by Allen O'Depaul Insurance in York, Nebraska. Tell Talk to Alan and tell him the Redcast sent you. Uh, the question was, In you ran for 40 yards against Purdue. Meanwhile, Northwestern is not allowed a 100-yard rusher. Will Nebraska hit 100 yards? And right now with about 200 votes, uh, 31% think that we will hit 100 yards, and 69% don't think we will. Um, on top of that, and this probably plays a role into will we or will we not hit 100 yards rushing, we have an, an email question from Dennis who says, uh, "What's up with the patty cake, patty cake? Take a st- step back blocking." Riley has brought to the team, <laughs> That's <laughs> <And great>. that's <laughs> thanks, Dennis. <laughs> that it's it, it. I swear there were some running plays where it. If you look at how our line shoots off the ball on the run play, it looks like a pass. I mean, we don't we right. don't come across. We don't engage. We're not drive blocking. We're I, there was one run play where literally all five of our offense alignment are just stood up. Now they they you know they had their guy they engaged their guy but there, there's no driving you're not even creating holes it just doesn't it doesn't look like it doesn't look like a physical brand of football by right. any means
1: yep it's intriguing all right well um, boomer uh, do you have the Northwestern stats handy I, I was going to ask. Uh, we know they have a very stout run defense. Uh, what's their weakness? Uh, is their pass defense uh, is acceptable?
2: I uh, surprisingly yes. They give up quite a few passing yards per game. Um, I believe they're ranked 120th right now in uh, total pass yards delivered. Uh, opponents are averaging about 270 a game, Ooh. and about uh, 6.8 yards per per attempt. I think so. I there is that potential there. There's a weakness yeah, the there. and on the wall and that's, as long as the weather permits
1: yeah, I think we're going to throw the ball a lot.
2: Yeah, I think we're going to see it. Uh, there's no reason not to, I guess. It's worked against Purdue, and that seems to be what Northwestern's susceptible to. So it's going to be hard not to throw the ball against them, I think. Or at least it'll be hard for Langsdorf and Riley not to want to throw the ball against them. So I expect a very similar type game that we saw against Purdue, against Northwestern.
1: Sure, I hear you. Uh, Boomer, do we have a, a, a trivia question for the week?
0: Trivia time.
2: Well, I do, actually, surprisingly. Oh, great. Um, I was kind of contemplating uh, this year we've played uh, Northern Illinois, Illinois, and now Northwestern is coming to town. Uh, we've already blown it this year, but that uh, got me thinking. When is the last time Nebraska has defeated uh, three or more opponents from the same state in a single regular season?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I guess you jumped to. Big 12 days and think, is there a Texas connection there? Uh be a logical place to start. Honky, uh, you have thoughts on this? Yeah.
0: Um, hmm, Texas, I mean, they, they always kind of offset the years where we would play. So, like, let's say 99, as an example, was a year that we would have beaten Texas. In, no, we wouldn't have played A&M that year, so... Because A and M and Texas, we didn't play the same year, so they kind of offset offset that. But we at least beat Texas in the championship game. Point is, I don't think it's ninety nine. Um, but with start...
1: Texas, you would have either either Texas Tech, Baylor, Baylor, Longhorns, or A and M, right? And so at least two of those would be on your on your regular
0: schedule, and then you got to... schedule,
1: and then a conference game, right?
0: Yeah,
1: or a championship game, yeah. Wow, and Oklahoma. I don't. I don't recall ever playing Tulsa non-conference. So, uh, um. yeah, and it makes
0: you wonder. Like, I mean, this is Boomer asking, so it could be one of those like nineteen twelve. We played it, Grinnell. It, I, I'll say Simpson. it's yeah.
2: It, it's not that far back. No, we're not. not, we're not asking College for like Haskell and Grinnell or any of that stuff. No, no. Okay, worries. well, we
0: appreciate that. Illinois, right? How about give a decade?
2: Let's... Is it is it who we're playing this week? Is it like Illinois? <laughs> No, okay. no, it has no connection to the Illinois. No.
0: Hmm. Can you can you give a give like a, a, a decade, Mike? Boomer.
2: I it was in the 2000s.
1: In the 2000s. All Correct.
0: right. Hmm. Can you give a state?
1: <laughs>
3: What's a, what about a mascot? Are they Wildcats? That seems fair. There's a lot of Wildcats. Uh... No, no wild I, mean,
1: I, I, I just think the logical outside of
0: yeah, it's probably Texas. I don't know
1: Texas. I mean, unless you have played
2: two. The state is and, Texas. That is correct, from best I can tell. All right.
0: In my drunken haze, is there some? Yeah. Is there some non-conference team we played that?
2: Uh, yeah, it would have been. Uh, yeah, it's a combo of non-conference and conference. Oh, we played yeah.
1: TCU. Houston uh, in, a, in a kickoff Did game. We play Houston. We oh, played TCU. No,
0: you're right. We played TCU like in 2001. Two thousand two, some two thousand one, was it?
1: I think it was two thousand one. I think it was right after nine eleven.
0: Oh, we played Rice right after nine eleven. Oh, we did play Rice. And did we beat? Did we beat TCU as well? And then we probably somewhere along the line beat. I don't know if it was uh, if that was uh, that would have been like maybe A and M. We would have beat in two
2: thousand one.
1: Beat more than three. We'll go with oh one. That's that's a good guess. Let's do
2: it. There you go. Well done. With a little oh, bit of prodding, yep. Right. we uh, 2001 we defeated uh, TCU and Rice in non-conference, and then uh, proceeded to beat Baylor and Texas Tech in conference. So we actually beat four uh, teams from the state of Texas in 2001. That's as uh,
3: far as like I can tell in a, in a random
2: random reading without going back to like 1902 when we'd play eight teams
0: from Kansas. That's
2: the best we've done against a single state in a year. So, but, but, what's the
0: what's the Iowa school that we lost to like in the 40s? Like a flight school or something?
4: Iowa
1: Flight, they were pre-flight. Iowa Flight
2: Academies, things like that. Yeah, yes. Iowa, yeah pre-flight we, Iowa Pre-Flight was a top five
1: yeah. AP per, uh, program for a few years. Yeah, that that has to do
2: with the whole uh, draft and all the... They were having just massive manpower available at the time. So you can go back to the, the war years, whether it's World War One or World War Two, and you can see the, uh, there's a lot of uh, advantage to the military academies and these weird schools like that where they just had everybody because everybody was drafted and had to go somewhere. So they were able to put together successful teams during those eras. So, mm.
1: Yeah, very odd. Very odd stuff. All right. Good stuff, guys.
0: You're listening to the Go Big Redcast. And now, sweep left.
1: And now it's time for sweep left, uh, the Go Big Redcast wide-angle view of all things college football. And we are uh, starting probably a weekly segment on the coaching carousel. There has been some uh, action afoot in the SEC. A lot of drama was going down in Gainesville on Sunday afternoon and evening as um, the athletic administration came to terms with uh, Jim McElwain in uh, parting ways. A bit of a a quick uh, uh, situation there where it went from uh, a week ago not really having major issues to uh, a complete divorce in a quick fashion after uh, a loss to Georgia. I think there was other factors that went into that. Uh, Boomer, uh, what do you think about Florida firing a coach midseason, probably for the third time in the last decade? Oh, well, it
2: it, it may be part for the course there for the SEC. I mean, they've been embarrassed this season. They've They've looked terrible, quite frankly, and and then finally getting blown out by by Georgia, a team that, you know, even as bad as Florida's been the last few years and their must-champ and everybody else, they've tended to win this game. And, God, they were just awful. I mean, were they ever in this game at any point? I don't think so. I mean, they had no was, offense whatsoever. No, there was nothing. I mean, I'm literally just, no offense. This was a terrible game. They looked bad. I, I don't see any reason to expect them to have gotten better.
1: And I can't, can't explain how – McElwain is a, an offensive guy – and, and a think. good one at
2: yeah. that. Yeah, I, I don't and, understand it either. How they're just so inept on offense, and you know, and they were looking for an excuse to fire him, and the whole yes. death threats thing, whether it was legit or not, they claimed you know, it Hunky wasn't. You
1: actually, yeah, they gave him a actually made a yeah. joke about the death threats thing last week, didn't you, hunk or like, hey, you know, uh, Scott Frost, we're not as bad as uh, Florida fans because you know death <laughs> threats, but sounds like those were a, that was a hoax. I mean, there was no yeah. proof of the death threats. Uh, Did you hear that?
0: A hoax created by the coach, apparently. I, it, that, that That's, that's bizarre as, as it comes, I guess. You know, I, I think what this is to me is that at the end of the day, bad football gets guys fired. It's just yep. about as simple as that. And there's kind of this hypocrisy that goes on around college football that when your program isn't struggling, you can always look down on others that are struggling and getting rid of a guy here or there and, and – oh, you know, you shouldn't fire him, or, you know, it happens everywhere. have yeah, the reputation you
1: of firing coaches too early, oh. right? But, I mean, look at oh, somebody yeah. else in like Florida. Oh, yeah, Boomer, right? you
0: mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. for you know, the former Oregon coach, saying Nebraska didn't look competitive for a job because who would want to go there? They're firing guys. Uh, yeah, because Oregon fired Helfrich two years after making it to the national title game. You know, I mean, for going 4-8 and eight one season, bad football gets guys fired. Jim McElwain. Went nine and four in his first two years. Wins the SEC East twice in a row. Twice he was hired at the same time that that Riley was hired here. And bad football gets guys fired. Jimbo Fisher has won a national title for Florida State. I think he's like eighty two and twenty right now. They're two right. and five. And go and do a search on hashtag fire Jimbo. You'll find plenty of them. It's unbelievable how how that happens. Bad football gets guys fired, and so. Um, you know, that the best way not to do that is to play good football. <laughs> Simple. Yeah, absolutely. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think that's, you know, so I think obviously what this, um, you know, brings up as a Husker fan is the reality is that the the chatter out there, you know, nationally is that Scott Frost is quickly becoming a hot commodity um, to anyone who's looking for to make a coaching change, uh, UCF uh, scored 73 points uh, last uh, Saturday against Austin P which obviously is not great competition, but that offense is humming at a, a high degree of efficiency, and that is going to get a lot of excitement. I am mean, Frost is starting to become the Tom Herman of, of 2017, and there's going to be some competition for his services if he chooses to leave Central Florida, which is not to be for certain by any means and uh you know Tennessee's one thing but Florida might might be another you know boomer um how do you think how do you think the nebraska fan base would would handle scott frost uh taking a job let's say at florida compared to nebraska
2: um not well <laughs> that's the simplest way to put it I think the perception there, the perception would be the key part. It would be that, I guess, one of two ways to approach it. Either, you know, our, our prodigal son wouldn't have returned here and the Nebraska guy isn't willing to come back to Nebraska. That would hurt. or And that would just basically say, you know, that would speak to those people that say, you know, what's the state of our program? It's, it's down. It's never coming back. That kind of approach. Or it would lead people to question... You know our whole uh, new athletic director. I'm, I'm not, you know, saying that's Moose wouldn't do this, but that would that would lead people to question his judgment or his you know ability to hire coaches in this sort of circumstance. Whether that's fair or not, you know, it it may not be up to him. I mean, if Scott wants to stay in Florida, that that's what it is. But if uh, it, it would hurt his it would hurt his the, our impressions of him at this point unless he comes up with some sort of dynamic hire after the fact. That's true. Yeah, he, he would really have to. It, it would put him in a bad position too, It would put Moose in a really bad spot. I think if if, if he didn't take this job, and it actually took another Power Five job, if he stayed at Central Florida because he wants to stay at Central Florida, uh, what what can you do at that point? But
0: yeah, Boomer, yeah, I he, think. Yeah. I, I right. think. No, go ahead. I think you're Please? right here. I think you're right with this Boomer because it is important to look at Frost right now and look at him as kind of a unique situation. You know, I was just, just reading a national guy over the weekend saying how he's the hottest coach in college football. Just regardless of how Nebraska's doing, regardless of any of that, when's the last time you can think of a former Nebraska person, somebody associated with the, with the program, whether they coached here or played here or whatever, yeah, when can you, you think of oh, okay. another former player having that kind of accolades thrown out? There are certain schools that have always had kind of a – a long list of, of assistants and you know coaching trees, and they always have the next guy to go after. Nebraska's never really had that. We don't, we don't, we just don't have that long list of coaching lineage that way. And here, right now, we're just sitting on a guy that is doing a great job. You know, the highest ranked uh, group of five school, and and he's being he's going to be mentioned for every big position that comes out there. And yeah. so you, it's it's interesting because it's either more than likely he's going to go to some power five school, whether it's Nebraska or not, or to your point there, Boomer, you know, maybe, you know, he likes Orlando and he wants to stay at UCF. And I, and I kind of mentioned this a week ago, not on, not on air. So I guess I'll say it here, but it's like on the same week that Nebraska announced that we went from 26 to 51 million from the big 10 UCF is announcing a GoFundMe page basically to try to earn a million or two (laughs) to keep their coaches around. I mean, that's, that's what, That's where, you know, we kinda look at it and go, I don't see UCF just being able to be competitive against any of the big power five schools. So then it becomes a thing where, you know, it's gonna be a battle between them. On our end,
1: yeah, I mean yeah. Go ahead. On on
0: on our end, we still don't have an opening and on on his end he's not he hasn't made any reference that he wants to, but
2: Absolutely. No, I I well uh, and I think it yeah, go ahead, Dave. No go.
1: No, I just wanted to say that I mean to hockey's point, we we still have a head coach and one that could win out and could change the story uh, on our side. I think it would take that type of uh, yes. finish for the season to for Riley to really really change his you know improve his odds to to still be the head coach here in 2018. The dynamic is starting to change a little bit in the sense that I mean Scott Frost a month ago was a a a name that was getting some traction, but now it's like okay now he's like the hottest coach. Um, for the next Power Five gig, and there's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of national writers who are writing Pete Thamel, for example, Yahoo Sports, saying you know Scott Frost of Florida makes tons of sense. He's not going to go to Nebraska. He's he has a better offer now at Florida. Essentially, it's oh, all yeah. hyperbole by them. And it's like it's like you know slow down a little bit there, all right. But that dynamic is now the the national perception. And I think it's important. I mean that um, Nebraska fans kind of take a deep breath and and know that. We know probably more about this situation and, and Scott Frost and the relationship he has with this state and the fan base and this program and a lot of people he know uh, who, who care about this program as much as he has in the past, um, that the national writers and others who are saying, well, Scott Frost is going to turn down Nebraska for X, Y, and Z, just they just don't know. So there's a long ways to go in this story is the only thing I want to make sure we understand. Yeah. Now, do, you, know,
2: do you think Florida is even the best job in the SEC East? I, w- I was thinking about that earlier today. I, w- I mean, would you compare it? I-, I don't know if it's as uh, good of a job as Georgia or question. Tennessee, for that matter, and just in the SEC I alone. Say from
1: a recruiting purpose, it's probably easier for Florida than Tennessee in particular. Knoxville actually isn't in, in a uh, talent hotbed in state-wise, Memphis is where you want to go, and that's on the complete other side of the state. No, that's true, but you still got the uh, money, com- you still got the fan base. Yeah. I mean, if you're in Tennessee, you want I to play in Tennessee. I think Florida and Georgia are pretty comparable. I would say right there. And Florida's got three national championships in since '96, and Georgia has one since 1980. So well, that's yeah, true, I but
2: would- but again, in the state of Florida, you're competing against Florida State and tech UCF at this point and you know multiple others in Miami seems to be rebounding at some point
0: yeah I'm a bit of a fuddy-duddy on this uh on this kind of topic no no guess what great great coaches make places great and Alabama Hmm. wasn't a great place to coach at from about 96 to 2006 and then Saban came in there after four coaches were let go over that decade and Saban made it a great place and you know Texas has been a great place, and it's been a terrible place at times, depending on the coach. And Oklahoma was a terrible place to coach in the late 70s or late 90s sure. before Stoops got there. Yeah, look so at Florida. I, I mean, Urban I think Meyer it, and Urban Schreyer. Meyer did just fine there.
1: Great. And, great and I think it was horrible.
0: If Urban Meyer was coaching at Tennessee, I think Tennessee would be a great place to coach. And if Urban Meyer was coaching at Georgia, I think it'd be you know you could go down the whole list of things, right? You know, people yeah. who talk um, about that that recruiting
3: so, advantage yeah, I, that, I, that UCF has over Nebraska because they're in Florida. If, if Riley's proven anything, is that we can recruit on a high level. You know, that's, it's not impossible to get these guys to come to Nebraska. It's about development once they get here. And Frost is, you know, when he was at Oregon, Oregon never set the world on fire with their recruiting classes, but they got guys who fit their system perfectly. And and that's what he can bring here. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be a geographical advantage. And Nebraska is yeah. going to put all the resources into it. It's ridiculous to compare UCF and say, is that a better job than Nebraska? Of course it's not. Are you kidding me? Dante Culpepper. Yeah, and James then Cole. I'm done I mean, with look all at, of your great players. I'm done.
1: Look at Central Florida. Mac, that's a really good point. Milton McKenzie, their starting quarterback, is from Hawaii. And he was a guy that at Scott yeah, exactly. was, was recruiting at Oregon and brought him in. So that's not even a local guy. The second guy, the guy off the bench against Austin yeah. P., was Noah Vedral. Honky, where is Noah Vedral from? Uh, he is from Saunders County, Wahoo Newman. There you go, and so there's the, your backup quarterback from Nebraska playing at such a ranked team. so. That's on well, a it's team.
0: it's the joke about the the GoFundMe page versus Nebraska doubling yeah. our our Big Ten money in a year. It's 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 just there's the haves and have-nots just between Power Five and 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 Group of Five, but uh, and I you know I've printed off pages and pages of, of past things that that. Uh, frost has blogged about and things that he's said about nebraska he definitely has a love of the place those are for another time to talk about it's not really for tonight necessarily but um i I think nebraska will be more than competitive if it when and if and all that as we get to that point uh we'll be very competitive to to get him if he is looking to to make that move
1: i think uh we know a few people that that knows his people, right? So I, I hopefully uh, I, I'm not too worried about that when the time comes. All right, guys, uh, good good talk there. The pod predictions. All right, guys, uh, it's about time for our games of the week, our pod predictions. But uh, let's uh, let's start actually with something that we'll probably be doing from here on into the rest of the season and lay out our our top four our own personal college football playoff predictions. Boomer, you want to kick this off? Yeah. Um, I
2: would say we are doing this on a Monday night, so we're uh, jumping ESPN here. So um, exactly. if, they, if they copy from us, you know, we'll uh, we'll send them a letter. Cease and desist, maybe. Uh, my personal top four at this point, um, I hate to say half of this because the world is so dark, but uh, Alabama and Georgia clearly in the top four. Of the teams I've seen play, Um, I'll have to include Notre Dame in there. They're number three and number four. We're going to stick Oklahoma, if only for their win over Ohio State. I think those wins should matter, so there's your top four.
1: Head-to-head counts. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Mac.
3: I'm going to go with Alabama, then I'm going to put Penn State up there. I don't care that they just lost. I think they're still a really good team. Um, Georgia, and then I'm going to keep Clemson up there. This is by no means what I think they're going to do. Those are just my my top four teams.
1: Intriguing. All right. Honky?
3: Well,
0: clearly Alabama. Um, I was at the Ohio State-Nebraska game, so in in terms of what I've personally seen with my eyes, Ohio State was pretty tough to to stop there. Um, And Oklahoma's a valid argument there, but I I don't have Oklahoma up there. Um, Georgia would be my number three. And then for the time being, at least I have Wisconsin up there for number four. I think Notre Dame I would teeter with them, and and you know. But for right now, I'm 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 good with that top four, and some things will still change, obviously, as some teams play.
1: All right, that's that's solid. You know, I mean, I haven't seen Alabama play as much as I should because they really haven't had that great of a schedule outside of uh, Florida State to start the year. But what I have seen, they have looked very good. Salt Alabama, Georgia has looked very good. Uh, I've been impressed with Notre Dame. And uh, you know, the eye test gives me Ohio State. I know Oklahoma beat them, but Oklahoma hasn't done anything since that's impressed me. Uh, and Ohio State uh, has impressed me, including um, that rally versus Penn State. and JT Barrett's playing at a high level. And I, I think if you told me Ohio State and Oklahoma's playing this Saturday – even though I know Oklahoma just beat them, I would think Ohio State would beat them this year. So, yeah, right, that'd be my take. So, all right, good. Let's uh, let's dive right into the games of the week, guys. We've got uh, a lot of ranked versus ranked matchups. You know, before we do that, Boomer, do we have the uh, the uh, records from last week's uh, results? I believe we do. Uh, does anyone have those handy? Uh, I I know. While you're looking up about that, I believe I went eight and two um so i'm thinking did. i one. i, I would note hockey win yeah. about four and six or so that four is six. correct yeah, I,
2: that, that sounds about right
1: and i will note uh
2: for all the mockery i got for the uh us uh ucf uh game of the week i you set some
1: parameters for that dave and i believe uh they actually <laughs> met
2: that did they not uh is they that correct did.
1: so that is correct Good stuff. Yeah, they scored more than sixty-two. They got seventy two. They did. So yeah, we
2: we should not mock the,
1: the UCF Knights there. So all right. My my luck was I uh, got the Arizona picks right. I took Arizona over Wazoo and USC over Arizona State. You guys did the opposite. And that's why I got the uh, the break. I uh, will note one thing, Dave. You you always get to pick last on
2: these. Maybe we should switch things around and have you pick I'd early. Be
1: happy to. I'd be happy to pick first. I, I think that'd uh, be fun. Look, like let's try that decade. this week. Yeah. We've been doing this for a decade, and I've always actually sent the email out with my predictions. And I'll so back actually, Dave I up on that. that. He usually does. I'll I, I have, to, I have to, to back Dave up on that. To actually go first. So I can't get I, mad at him because I'm always guessing. A big issue. <laughs> 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 Max doesn't even know where these games I'm are. I'm like, being what the hell? I huh?
3: no, no.
2: who's going to win. It's all about the altitude at this point. SMU
3: Thinks still right. got a team? Right. I thought they got All the right. death penalty.
1: All right, so let's see if we can get this started here. Uh, da, da, da. Let's start with uh, Penn State at Michigan State. So we've got the Lions trying to bounce back. Early morning game on Fox, actually. Penn State's favored by 7.5. Um, Michigan State lost to Northwestern. I, I'll take Penn State in this game. No questions asked for me. Honky.
0: Yeah, I'm going with Penn State as well.
1: Boomer.
2: Ah, Penn State. They're more talented. No question.
3: Mac. I'll take Penn State, provided this is at Michigan State, right? <laughs> that's right. It's at Michigan State. Is, is this
0: the Land Grant Trophy? Is that what that one's called? Yes. Yeah, yes.
3: That's right. It's, it's the Land okay. Grant
1: Trophy.
2: Quite possibly the, trophies are coming. the we worst Florida, trophy in of Last week. Yeah. This is I the apologize. worst trophy in the yeah, history folks. of the Big Ten, the land grant trophy. So it is ugly. Have maybe we ever we'll, seen it. We, it is. we'll post a picture of this on the, on the Twitter page. This is this is an embarrassment to everything that's trophy related. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm not I'm, an expert on trophy design, but this is one of the worst of all time.
0: And Dave, I'm going to make this the lock of the week for me is, is Penn State. Well, okay, I was right. close to all doing okay. that.
1: All right, so now we have, uh, let's go to the ACC Clemson. Going to NC State. Clemson favored by 7.5. Uh, NC State's uh, just uh, lost to Notre Dame, trying to bounce back. I will take the Tigers uh, pretty pretty easily here. Clemson for me. Boomer? Clemson. Mac.
3: Clemson. Honky?
0: This Don't is it, actually honky. tough for me Don't here. do it.
3: Well, I... NC State
0: missed a field goal last year from like twenty yards that would have won the game That's at true. Clemson. And and I actually like how NC State's been playing this year. Uh and I need to catch up, so I'm going do with Clemson. It. Do <laughs> it. Don't do
3: it. Oh, what'd do you say? It. Do it. Are you gonna go with
0: Clemson? Yeah, I'm going with Clemson. All All right.
2: Right. All right. Boo. It. Boo Earns. Boo Earns. <laughs>
1: Let's go out. uh, West Coast, this game must be being played at the crack of data on the the West Coast because Stanford is playing Washington State in a day game. Um, I don't know how how early that is out there in Pullman, but uh, that's uh, 18th-ranked Stanford versus 25th-ranked Washington State. You know, Mike Leach pulled uh, uh, Falk uh, in that game last Saturday night. Uh, I think he's starting again, but uh, Leach is trying to play musical chairs with his quarterback. Uh, At home, though, I'm tempted to take uh, Wazoobs. I think they'll eventually bounce back here. And I saw Stanford play on Thursday night and almost lost to Oregon State. That was a debacle of a game. Bryce Love will be back. Cougars are favored by two at home. You know, I should take Stanford because I took them to win the Pac-12. But after watching them last Thursday night, it was it was awful. Um, I think I think going to bounce back here. I'm going to take the Cougs. Honky.
0: Well, um, I have Stanford. You know, winning the the conference as well, and it's funny. We were talking about the Nebraska Purdue game and and not enjoying a, a one point win, and Stanford beat a horrible Oregon State team by one point, and uh, you know, and sometimes you just need to win, right? Um, they get uh, they get love back. Uh, I'm going with I'm going with Stanford here. This is a it's run versus pass, and I'm going to pick the the run to win.
1: Yep, I hear you, Boomer. Stanford, Mac. Wazoo. All right. Someone's listening to me. That was a tough one. All right. All right. We'll see. All right. Let's go to uh, our next door neighbors there, Iowa State. Matt Campbell really gotten the Cyclone program going in the right direction. Two top five victories. But those were at home. They are now going to Morgantown to play West Virginia. Um, hmm. Iowa State not favored in this game West Virginia is favored by two this is a tricky game for Iowa State I mean they haven't had this type of success in a long time uh, they're up at 14th in the polls which is crazy um, I'm probably probably gonna take the mountaineers on this one go with the home team Mac
3: I'm gonna go ahead and try to jump on a bandwagon really early with Iowa State. Maybe I'm maybe I'm even <laughs> late to it, but what the heck, man? Let's. I I don't think I've ever picked Iowa State to beat anybody. So just for fun, I'm going Iowa State. All right, honky.
0: Going Iowa State here. The the win over TCU. Showed it's that they could, a, for me. they could win a. They could win I want to change style. my.
3: I want to change my pick. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: Iowa State showed that they could win a different style of game. I mean, that was a 14-7 win, it's true. And, and it showed a different type of team there that than what they showed even against Oklahoma. So,
1: I think I, Iowa, Iowa State's, State's doing this with like recruiting classes that are in like the '60s, and I mean, talk about talent and all this thing about Nebraska not having talent. Not Iowa possible, Dave. Yeah, playing at a high here. level here suddenly with without. Any sort of statistics to, to match that up? Boomer, Stop what do you it, think? Dave.
0: It's all about recruiting. You know that. It's only about recruiting.
2: <laughs> nah, these teams are both ciphers week to week. Uh, West Virginia's due for a win. Let's go Mountaineers.
1: Yeah, I hear you. All right, all right, that's good. All right, we got Bedlam. Uh, it's odd that this is this early in the year, but they've moved it up. Uh, Oklahoma heading to Stillwater to take on the Pokes of Oklahoma State. Um boy, this is an intriguing game. Both seven and one. Uh both of them uh have played really well at times this year. Oklahoma State is actually favored by three. I'm not buying it. I'm taking Oklahoma. Uh yeah, Sooners. Honky?
0: If I still had my lock of the week, I would take it here and I would go with Oklahoma.
3: Alright. Mac? I'm going with Okie State.
1: Nice. And Boomer, who you got?
3: Oklahoma. Until the uh,
2: Cowboys actually win a big game, I can't trust him
3: to do so. His <laughs> mullet is coming in so good, dudes. I'm sorry. This this is the writing's on the wall. It is an impressive mullet. There's no doubt about
1: that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's break from all these top 25 matchups here and take – an important one uh, from out west. Uh, we have Colorado State, our producer Skip's uh, alma mater, uh, heading up to the altitude of Laramie. I'm sure Honky can tell us how, how, how high Laramie is to take on Wyoming. Craig Bull trying to, to get the season turned around a little bit. Uh, CSU favored by 2.5. Uh, I'm taking Colorado State. Mac.
3: Yeah, I'm taking Colorado State, too. I think Bobo's scared that McElwain's back on the market. He's going to try to hammer <laughs> <it>. <laughs> They did have a tough loss versus Air Force this week. Yeah. We'll see. Boomer?
1: Uh, I've watched very few of these
2: teams. Let's go Colorado State because green is better than that weird off-brown color.
1: Right. Honky, chance to take Wyo again. Are you yeah, do if it? I
0: had a third lock of the week, I'd take it this week, and I'm going with Wyoming. <laughs> Oh, Shockingly.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> Shockingly, I'm going to take Wyoming for about Bucky the sixth time clinic. this year. All
1: right. That's solid. Okay. Uh, how about uh, there's this team down in Orlando, Central Florida. I don't know much about them, but they are undefeated, and they are heading to Dallas to take on Southern Methodist. Um, I'm thinking uh, UCF is – uh, definitely favored in this one. I don't have the game right in front of me. Uh but I am taking Central Florida. I'll take that as my lock of the week. Can I do that, Honk? Can I do that? You're welcome right to do it. Alright. Boomer. Oh, Central Florida.
2: I noticed they uh won me the game last week where the uh what was it sixty two points they needed to score, Dave?
1: Is that right? Yep, that's correct.
2: What did they end up scoring in that game?
1: Seventy three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so favored PCF. by two touchdowns. Yeah, Boomer's been cocky. cocky. Numbers nice. are what they are. That's right. Uh, Mac, what do you got?
3: I'm going to take the Fighting Frosts on this one. All right. And hockey.
1: UCF. All right, we're getting reversal on that one. Let's uh, let's do the little brown jug heading back into Big Ten territory. We got Minnesota. Uh, heading to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. And I will take the Wolverines. Honky.
0: Yeah, I'll go with Michigan as well.
1: Starting Brandon Peters, I believe, as is, is quarterback. Uh,
2: Boomer. Uh, Michigan, they're my lock of the week. They'll outscore Minnesota. Good
1: choice. And Mac.
3: I will take the Wolverines.
1: All right, four for four uh all right, this is uh this is an interesting one. ACC matchup here uh, Virginia Tech, the Hokies going down to Coral Gables taking on Miami. I think that should be a pretty solid matchup. Uh, Miami is I think has the longest win streak in the country right now, at 12 games. They have not lost uh, for a full calendar year. I think they're gonna it's gonna happen this week. Uh, I'll take Virginia Tech over Miami. Honky. Yeah,
0: I think Miami's just been they've been hanging on each week last they week. They, they they barely beat one in seven North Carolina. I think it was I, I'm agreeing with you, Tech. Boomer.
3: God,
2: Miami's just skating by as an undefeated. They'll skate another week, though
3: they, they win this game, Miami.
1: All right, all right, Mac.
3: I'm with you, Boomer. Let's go Hurricanes.
1: All right, uh, Omaha boy Mark Rick gets one more more W. All right, let's uh, got this on the list. I don't I don't think there's a lot of drama here, but LSU is heading to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama, and I will be taking Alabama in this one. Uh, Boomer, what do you got? God, I'd love LSU to win this just for the sake of college
2: football, but we all know it's not going to happen because the world is so dark, so Alabama wins this.
1: Alabama's a twenty-one and a half point favorite yes. against a 19th-ranked LSU team. Whew. God, the Aren't SEC's it? uncompetitive. Oh, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is – LSU's already lost to Troy in Alabama. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they'll lose to uh, Alabama as well, so – When's the
1: last time LSU has lost to three schools in the state of Alabama? it <laughs> will to give me a few minutes on that, Dave. So. All right. Uh,
3: and Mac? Um, gee, let me think. I'm going to go with the team that wins all the time, Alabama. Yeah, good choice. All right, let's
1: uh, get one more uh, ranked versus ranked. There's so many of them this week. Uh, um, Arizona coming off. Uh, the big win versus Washington State now ranked 23rd, going to uh, South Southern California USC. I am taking the Trojans though. I think they will bounce back and and uh, win that one. Boomer, uh, I picked the wrong Arizona
2: last week. Uh, I still think USC is going to win this one, so I'll go with the Trojans.
1: Yeah. All right. Honky.
0: Uh, Arizona's QB is playing good. I'm going with Arizona.
1: Good old Tate. is impressive.
3: Mac. Um Arizona.
1: All right, we're split on that one. This should be interesting. All right, guys, so let's wrap this up with our Northwestern versus Nebraska picks. And uh, I guess I'm going first on this one as well, huh? Well, I took Nebraska last week and – I think I'm just going to go on a hunch here. I, I think Northwestern is actually a, a better team than Purdue by quite a bit. They've been competitive the last couple weeks. I know that they've multiple overtime games here, but Northwestern always plays as tough in Lincoln. They seem to play better as the year goes on. They started abysmal like usual, and they seem to be playing better. I, I, I hate to do it, but I'm going to take Northwestern, and I'll say... I think it's going to be a bit of, bit of a higher scoring affair than we've seen in a bit. So I'm going to say 34 to 30, Northwestern. Boomer?
2: Uh, I think this game, like I said, it's going to be a mirror image between us and Purdue. Do the same results happen? Why the heck not? Let's say Nebraska 27, Northwestern 24.
3: All right. Mac. I like the streak that the Huskers are currently on. I think they can maintain it. Northwestern, you know, who knows? That, that team is always kind of weird and sort of a pain, so there's no reason to think even if you we were playing good, it wouldn't be ugly. So I'll say 27 25, Nebraska. All
1: right. And Hockey, what do you got?
0: Yeah. Uh- I'm going to agree with the, the red casters here that are saying that we're not going to hit the hundred yard rush mark. Uh, our lack of ability to run the ball, Northwestern's rush defense leads to a lot of passes. Uh, two years ago, uh, that was one of our games. We threw it 40 or more times. We had some picks. Uh, one of them went to a pick six. Um, one of the things that happened last week against Purdue, as we mentioned, is we threw it 50 times, we had no turnovers. We're going to, if we're going to even begin to try to throw like that again, we're going to have to match it. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong again for a second week in a row, but I'm going Northwestern 30, Nebraska 28, same score from two years ago.
1: All right, all right, sounds good. All right, guys, Uh, that's a a prediction right there. There's 12 12 games we broke down, so good stuff. It's going to be a busy week of college football. Uh, Let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots. Uh, Honky, you always like to. Uh,
0: take off uh, first on this go for it yeah I, I kind of <laughs> I'm looking at at uh, Brian Ferentz, the uh, offensive coordinator for Iowa and I you know he went nuts in the uh, press box this last weekend you know expletives at the replay officials and I was just thinking how much fun that would be if like him and Bo got together and coached or you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's Bo's offensive coordinator it, that yeah, would be just, pretty good
0: I don't know what the combination would be, but it would just be hilarious to watch those two guys, I think, on the on the same staff. So uh, that's my parting shot.
1: I like it. I like it. Uh, Mac?
3: Yeah, I'd just like to give a quick shout-out to the Rims and St. Mary's Hawks. They won their first playoff game in the last 11 years. Uh, they're led by Coach Ryan Hayek. He's uh, doing things right over there. All right,
1: that's a little breakdown of is that Iowa football? Yes, sir, it's right? Iowa
3: 8 man football. What you heard?
1: Oh, that's 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 quality he's stuff. He's got right a running there. back that's well, uh football who's
3: uh, football. I think he's verbally pledged if we're staying consistent with how we're saying this to uh South uh, Dakota State. So, pretty uh, good. Pretty good. He sent he's a uh, we'll see. I'll keep you guys updated on him.
1: Very cool. All right, Boomer, what what are you thinking about? <laughs>
2: Well, I just think whatever uh, Brian Ferentz did, it probably lent to a uh, Kirk Ferentz $75,000 bonus, another three-year extension at Iowa, so it's it's, it's all good there. <laughs>
1: that's right, that's right. Well, you know, with coaching salaries these days. You can get away with anything. All right, guys, uh, good stuff, good stuff. All right, let's uh, get this thing out of here and uh, enjoy another uh, fine Saturday college football. Let's call hey, that Dave. a go- Dave, well, go real ahead. Real
0: quick, I I, I want to throw one other thing out there. Volleyball is number four in the country now at eighteen and four. And basketball, one against Iowa State in the uh, in their ah, open yes, the closed scrimmage, whatever. So yeah, exactly. we're two zero
3: against game. games that don't count. Yeah, let's keep so, playing right. those. Go Big
4: Red.
1: Don't count. All right, go Big Red cast, guys. GBR beat
0: Northwestern.